The basic requirement of weapon systems, whether handheld or mounted on a billion-dollar platform, is to fire when you pull the trigger. And that's actually a tall order, given the complexity of today's military systems. The Government Accountability Office has published a sort of primer on how DOD should ensure reliability in its weapons. Joining me with the highlights, the GAO's Assistant Director of its Contracting and National Security Acquisitions Team, Nate Tranquilli. Mr. Tranquilli, good to have you on. Thanks, Tom. Happy to be here to talk about the report. And you found that, in general, the DOD and the contractors follow good reliability practices. We should start with what is reliability. I guess it's maybe obvious, but nothing's ever quite that simple when it comes to DOD systems. No, no, that's certainly true. But in this case, I think the easiest way to understand reliability is that we're really talking about just having systems work when you expect them to work. So oftentimes at DOD, if you're thinking about aircraft, you know, making sure that they can fly as many hours as you expect before you have to perform maintenance. Or if you're thinking about a ground system, you know, you, you want to be able to cover the amount of miles the operators expect before having to replace a transmission or some other component. So I think it's a concept that most anybody that's ever owned a car or a home can, can understand. And I think most anybody can empathize with our warfighters when their systems aren't working when they expect them to work. And that has been the bugaboo of some expensive recent years systems is that they need more maintenance or they have more downtime than was promised or was specified. That's exactly right, yeah. Uh, as you know, Tom, we uh, at GAO, we look at a lot of different DOD weapon systems and acquisition programs. And over the past few years, reliability is something that we've seen again and again And it's also something that within the department, the Director of Operational Test and Evaluation has focused on as an issue that uh, needs to be addressed a little bit better in the future. And you looked at some pretty expensive and high-profile systems. What were some of them? The biggest would be the Joint Strike Fighter, which uh, most everybody's familiar with. But we also looked at some older systems, uh, going back to the V-22 Osprey and the Expeditionary Fighting Vehicle. And we did this because we really wanted to get a sense of how things have changed over time within the department in terms of its approach to weapon system reliability, how they're going about it. And we have found that there's been some improvement over time there. You know, the more recent programs we looked at, they were doing more of the right things than some of the older programs we looked at. And when I say right things, I'm really referring to some key practices that we identified when we went out to the commercial sector And that was a big part of this review. We went outside of DOD, looked at companies like Ford, um, Cummins, an engine manufacturer, looked at what they did to make sure that their systems were reliable. And what we found was that they consistently uh, adhered to four key practices. And these are the four key practices that we highlight in the report that we think DOD should really focus on. The first being to focus on uh, getting the reliability engineers involved in the program early on. Um, So reliability engineering is actually a specific discipline underneath engineering, and so there's folks out there that specialize in it, and these companies made sure they were involved from the beginning. And then the second really important thing is making sure you've got realistic requirements. Um, You know, if if you're promising people a system's going to be twice as reliable as its predecessor, you're probably setting them up for some form of disappointment. Um, So that was another key thing. The third was that these companies always really emphasized reliability with their suppliers. So the folks that are providing uh, different raw materials or components, you know, they made sure that they really understood what they needed um, from them when they were developing their systems. And then the last one was just that, 
you know, reliability is not a, a fire and forget kind of thing. You don't just plan for it at the beginning and then go develop the system and then check at the end to see if uh, see if everything's working as expected. It's, it's a continuous iterative process and actions should be taken all along the way. We're speaking with Nate Tranquilli. He is the Assistant Director of the Contracting and National Security Acquisitions Team at the GAO. And what about some of the large customers? I'm thinking, say, of cruise ship companies, which buy big, complex systems, not quite as much as, they don't cost as much as carriers, but there's a lot of lot riding on reliability there, you might say. Are there best practices on the part of of those buyers that you identified and not just of the suppliers. Sure. Yeah, so so with this particular job, we were focused more on the engineering aspects and the folks that were really uh, building the systems and what they could do at that level. And the idea was that if we could figure out what the, the manufacturers were focused on uh, to produce reliable systems, then we could uh, communicate to the decision makers over at the uh, Department of Defense what kind of things they should be asking about, what kind of things they should be focusing on. Because, you know, as we know, it's, it's pretty tough being a program manager there at DOD. It's pretty tough being a decision maker, you know, authorizing the, the expenditures and, and moving the program forward because these folks have tons of competing priorities. They're pulling them in different directions. So that's why we were really trying to, you know, just boil down these good practices to, to four key tenants that we could put out there and put in everybody's mind that they could they could keep track of and keep keep an eye on as they're trying to develop these systems. Now, of the seven programs that you looked at, they varied a lot. Only one, the Expeditionary Fighting Vehicle from 2000, a long time ago, used none of those four basic practices that you specify for getting reliability. So it sounds like the uh, implicit recommendations here are use these practices. That That is right, Tom, about the uh, the implicit recommendations. So Expeditionary Fighting Vehicle, unfortunately, the folks on that program did not adhere to any of these key practices, whereas, um, you know, as, as I'm, I'm happy to tell you, the folks that were working on the Presidential Helicopter Program, they actually adhered to all of them. So the more recent program is showing a little bit better approach than the older program there. So we think that's a good thing and, and want to continue to encourage it. And that's really what our uh, our recommendations are, are all about, is trying to get these good practices out there and, and make people aware of them and help them keep them in mind. And I should say also that um, Congress, to its credit, with the uh, Fiscal Year 18 National Defense Act Authorization Act, um, it included a requirement in there for DOD to address reliability uh, very explicitly when awarding contracts to its manufacturers. Um, and that lines up just perfectly with one of our four recommendations. Um, so we think that's a really good thing. The Undersecretary for Acquisition and Sustainment uh, implemented Congress's direction by putting out a memo about a year ago, uh, making sure all the interested parties were aware of the, the requirement and taking action on it. So we think that's a really good thing. Um, but these other three practices that I was mentioning earlier about the reliability engineers, the requirements, um, continuously taking the correct actions throughout the life cycle of a weapon system, um, th- those those items didn't get haven't gotten as much emphasis recently. Um, so that's really where our recommendations come down. Telling the secretaries of the Air Force, the Army, the Navy, hey, push these out here to your to your folks. Make sure they keep them in mind, and um, you know, hopefully they can get a little bit better results if they if they're aware of those practices. Because ultimately, reliability is a big factor in life cycle cost, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really important point. So, 
you know, we've reported in the past here at GAO that if you look at an entire life cycle of a weapon system, so it's talking from the moment somebody has the idea that they want the next great jet to the moment that jet's retired and disposed of at the end of its life cycle after it's served several years for, uh, or several decades in some cases, for the Air Force or Navy, 70% of those costs that are incurred come after the system's actually been delivered to the warfighter. And so a lot of those costs are driven by reliability. Um, and so there's a, there's a couple ways you can, you can get to having systems that are out there and available for our warfighters to use um, when they want to use them. You know, one is just upfront investing money to make sure you've got a reliable system that you hand over to them. Alternatively, you can have a uh, pretty robust logistics tail and, and maintenance uh, capability that makes sure that these systems uh, get back up to speed when they break regularly. The second option of having the robust logistics tail and the big maintenance effort, that can be very costly. Um, and, you know, in the long run, uh, you end up costing the department more than investing up front. And I guess that's something that anyone who has ever bought a boat has discovered <laughs> to their to their chagrin. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, that, that's, uh, we, we, we talked a lot about uh, owning boats during the course of this review. It's, uh, it's a good analogy for sure. Nate Tranquilli is the Assistant Director of the Contracting and National Security Acquisitions Team at the Government Accountability Office. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks very much, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to his report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash Podcast One to learn more and start your free trial.